0: Welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Hey, good morning again. So great to be here with you. And by the way, is it just me or did this summer just like fly by? My kids are already back in school. I can't even believe it, but here we are. Anyways, uh, last week we started a new series on Jesus as the revelation of life. And one of the great questions of life is, what should our lives look like and and how do we find our way into that? We all want a life that is fulfilling and, and meaningful, a life in which we're thriving and not just surviving. But what does that even look like and how do we find our way into that? Now, in our culture, there are many self-help books and new age books that would say that to answer that question, all you need to do is just to look inside, to really look within. Unfortunately, when I tried that, I just wound up in the ditch. (laughs) I'm serious. I mean, when I just kind of went by my own best thinking and just kind of following my desires wherever they happened to lead me, I just wound up with a shipwrecked life, a life that was empty and meaningless and a devoid of purpose, devoid of hope. But in Jesus, I have found a life that is truly life, a life filled with meaning and hope and purpose. And the message of the Bible is actually that we need revelation from the outside to come into our lives. Not so much to look within, but actually to, we need revelation from the outside to come in to show us what human life is actually all about and how to enter into that. Jesus said this of himself. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And he also said that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And and really the premise of this series is that not only is Jesus the life, and not only does he offer life, but he also shows us what human life should be like. Now, when you think of who Jesus is, there are two different ways you can go wrong with that. And one way is to think of Jesus as merely human for example, as just a good teacher. Now, he's at least that, right? But if you don't see him as far more than that, you'll miss so much about who he is. And, and, and so, for example, think of uh, John chapter one, where, where Jesus is described as the eternal word of God, the eternal logos, who is with God in the beginning, who is God, and through whom all things were made. Or the apostle Paul describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God, And when Doubting Thomas saw the resurrected Jesus, he said, my Lord and my God. Or think of uh, just before Jesus' ascension when the disciples were gathered with him and and many of them, it says, worshipped him and he received their worship. And so what that reveals to us is that Jesus, he is God, that he is fully God. But I, I want you to hear this, that if you think of Jesus as merely God, that, that, that too is actually problematic because the scriptures reveal to us that Jesus is not only fully God, but he is also fully human. So think of what, what, what the Creed says, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, that, we, that we, we sing, that we say that almost every week, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, and that means he had a real human body. And we see that he lived a, a fully human life. He wasn't just like a spirit floating around, you know. Uh, he he lived a human life. He ate. He he slept. He got tired. He suffered. And, and the book of Hebrews actually tells us that he was even tempted just as we are, yet without sin. So so Jesus was not only and is not only fully God, but also fully human. And he remember he described himself not only as the Son of God, but also the Son of Man. And so this is really kind of the historic Christian understanding of, of who Jesus is, fully God, fully human being. And what that means for us, and here's how I want to apply that to this series, is that not only does Jesus reveal to us who God is, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So not only does he reveal to us who God is, but he also reveals to us who we are called to be as human beings created in the image of God, and I realize that that might be a new way of thinking for you, but this is actually so important, and I think there's so much we can miss if we fail to see that dimension of the revelation of Jesus. He actually reveals to us actually something about our life. And so that's kind of the thread uh, in this series, and uh, so much I could say about that. Um, but uh, this is just so, so so important. So in this series, we're exploring different facets of the life, of life as it should be, as God intends, as revealed in Jesus. And we're kind of exploring how we can experience that and how we can grow in that. And this is just a four-part series, so of course we have to be selective. But each week we're looking at a different facet of of this life, okay? Now last week, we saw that central to life as God intends, is purity of heart. Now, that's language we don't use in our culture. So last week, we kind of unpacked that. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And I quoted a uh, a, a kind of, what is this, 19th century uh, philosopher named Soren Kierkegaard who said, purity of heart is to will one thing. In other words, not to be pulled in a thousand different directions. It's to will one thing. It's about having this single-hearted devotion and commitment to God. And that's really what we saw last week is, is just so essential for this life that God intends. But today, I, I want to talk about finding life. Where do we find life? Well, in Jesus, of course. I mean, this is church. You know that's the answer, right? Um, but uh, let me ask you this. Where did he find life? Think about that. In his humanity, where did he find life? And what sustained his life in terms of his humanity? Now, our, our culture tells us that here's where you find life. Uh, if you have enough stuff, if you have enough money, if you have enough success, if you have enough sex, if you have enough beauty or fame, that is where you find life. Uh, I finally got back in the gym a few months ago, and so I now know, like all the latest pop songs. <laughs> I know all these songs. And so sometimes, and sometimes it drives me crazy because I start singing songs I actually don't even like, but just, I've been like programmed for it. And so sometimes though, I'm like, when I'm on the treadmill, I'm thinking, okay, let me just, I'm going to kind of like analyze this song. Like what messages are coming at us in this culture? And what I've seen is what I just shared. Like those are the things we're told. Like that's where life is. So here's for, for an example, a recent Ariana Grande song. Never thought you'd hear that in church, but here we go. Um, so here's, here's some, uh, a few lines from her, uh, a recent uh, song of hers. She said, Whoever said money can't solve your problems must not have had enough money to solve them. <laughs> she said happiness is the same price as Red Bottoms. And I think that is a reference to a particular kind of designer shooter. Don't ask me how I know that. I don't have a pair. But I think that's what she's talking about. So basically, he, here's the gospel according to that song. that Here's where you find life. Here's where you find happiness. It's found in money. It's found in stuff. And um, you might think, oh, come on, it's just a pop song, you know, just kind of lighten up. But, but here, here's the deal. I know so many people that um, they actually live their life by that philosophy. And I, and I live my life by a version of that when I was, when I was a lot younger. And, um, and the problem is that so many people think that when they get to the end of that rainbow, they will find happiness, they'll find meaning. But when they get there, there's nothing. It's empty. I'll share a couple quotes on this. So Freddie Mercury, who was the famous uh, singer of the band Queen, and recently there was a biopic on his life called Bohemian Rhapsody. You might remember that from Wayne's World, from nothing else. Uh, 90s reference. There we go. Yeah, represent, represent 90s. Anyway, so Freddie Mercury is quoted as saying this. Again, he was just uber successful, wealthy, had fame. All these things, we're told, this is the answer. And he said this. He said, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. Jack Higgins, who's a famous novelist who's from the UK originally, he now lives in a tax shelter. Uh, But anyways, uh, he sold like... (laughs) He sold over 150 million books extremely wealthy, and he was asked uh, not too long ago what he wished someone would have told him when he was younger, and, and this is what he said. He said, I wish somebody would have told me, again, he has everything, that our culture says, this is, this is where life is from. He said, I wish somebody would have told me that when you get to the top, there is nothing there. And friends, that is what is on the other side of this promissory note that is issued by our culture. There is nothing there nothing there. And, and I found that to be true in my own life. I was one of those people. I couldn't like take somebody's word for it. Like I had to like find out the hard way, not that I've had like that level of success, but like my own little version of like kind of this MTV adolescent dream life, you know, when I was a lot younger, but anyways, um, it's a whole other story. <laughs> anyways, I, I found that to be true. There's just, there's just nothing there. Like I saw these kids on TV, like they look like they're having the time of their life in Cancun, spring break. And like, I'm Like I'm miserable. There's only so much you can drink. This does not fill the hole in my heart. I'm so empty. It's so meaningless. Okay, anyways. So, but here, here's what I found. In Jesus, there is a life that is truly life, that has that's depth, that has substance, that has meaning, that has, that has power. And actually, when you, we you saw this passage a moment ago from Mark chapter 1, the people were just drawn to him. And it wasn't because he had bling. It wasn't because, you know, he was like handing $100 bills out, you know. No, it was because like there was just like this life just like brimming over from him. People were just so drawn and attracted that he was just filled with life. And, and so here's what I want to just explore today is like where where did he find that life that was just came flowing through his life and how can we find that as well, okay? Um, so if you have a Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 1 uh, or you can follow along on the screens. And we're going to start in verse 35. And the context is that Jesus, he's been ministering to people, he's he's been preaching, he's been been healing the sick, Uh, but then we read this really important passage. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. So again, he's just so brimming over with life, like everyone's looking for him. But what I want you to see here is that Jesus does something that really sums up here how he lived his life. And I think this is just so instructive for us. And what we see here is that Jesus lived a life of prayer, that he actually had a rhythm uh, of prayer, he made a priority of spending time in his father's presence. This wasn't peripheral to his life; this was actually central to how he lived his life. And this I want to suggest is this is actually what fueled his ministry. This is what fueled his his life in his humanity. And and in case you don't believe me, I'll quote N.T. Wright here. Uh, and N.T. Wright, if you don't know, he's one of the great New Testament scholars of our day, and he he says this, and he's he's talking about what fueled Jesus' public ministry. And he says what that was, was, quote, Jesus' life of total dependence on the one he called Abba, Father. In other words, he's saying that that Jesus wasn't just relying on his own divinity for the life that he lived and all the things that we see in his ministry. Actually, Wright goes on to say, quote, his praying obviously was the source of his power and authority. So in his humanity, he's saying he, he was actually relying on the Father. He was relying on the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that more next week. And there was this connection he had through prayer. And that's what fueled that, okay? Now, I was recently reading something that got me thinking how there is, um, I don't know how much you know football, but there's actually a, a play in football that is named after an overtly religious uh, act. The Hail Mary Pass, Right? So, if you know anything about football, or maybe you played Madden football, uh, you, you, you probably know the, the Hail Mary Pass, and I think Doug Flutie might have made that famous back in the 80s or something. Uh, but for those who don't know, what this is, this, this refers to a play in which the wide receivers, they go long like, really long, often into the end zone, and then the quarterback throws this really long pass. And, like, the probability of that actually making it to his receivers and not the other team, and then of his receivers actually catching the ball is so low uh, that, that it's called the Hail Mary because it's, like, such a de- desperate situation that I think the idea is that that could only be accomplished with the help of divine intervention, <laughs> right? That's kind of the idea here. And, and, of course, the phrase derives from from an old Catholic prayer, which is inspired by the angel's greeting to Mary in Luke chapter one when, when, when the angel said, Hail, Hail Mary, full of grace. But let me ask you this. Why is this the only play in football named after a prayer? Ever thought about that? Why not the, the Hail Mary uh, kickoff? Why, why not the Hail Mary field goal? Why not the Hail Mary running play? And I think the reason is that most people associate prayer with desperation. And so I think the idea behind this is that for the majority of the game, I can rely on my own resources, my own effort, my own gameplay, uh, my, my teammates, whatever. But if I'm in a really, really desperate situation, as a last result, I'll throw up a prayer. Right? I, th- I think that's the idea. Now, by the way, I'm all about praying in desperate circumstances. I do it all the time. <laughs> But what we see in Jesus' life is that he didn't pray as a last resort when all else had failed. He prayed as a first resort. He, when, and, and his prayer life was actually what fueled his life and ministry. This isn't what got him, got him out of a ditch when he really got in trouble. This is actually what actually sustained his entire earthly ministry. This is where he found life, in the presence of his father through prayer. He lived a lifestyle of prayer. And here's what I want to suggest to you, and if you kind of zone out, just kind of tune in for a second. That if we want to experience the life of Jesus, we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Let me say that again. If we want to experience the life of Jesus, we actually need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. I think sometimes we have this thing like, well, if I just believe the right things, that's sufficient. Actually, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you actually need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Like that wasn't just an accidental connection between the life he experienced and the fruit in his ministry and and his lifestyle of prayer and reliance upon the Father. Okay? So, I think that's so important. Now, Psalm uh, 16, verse 11 came to mind as I was thinking about this. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And so I believe Jesus is making known to us the path of life, and that is found in the presence of God. And, and, and crucially, we enter into that through prayer. Prayer. And we just see this pattern throughout his ministry. Not only did he serve and kind of pour himself out, but he also took time to be with the Father, took time to to pray. He had this lifestyle of prayer. And that really was his lifeline. Just a couple more examples of this. So Mark chapter six, we were to fast forward uh, a few chapters after feeding the 5,000. It says, after leaving them, again, he's been ministering. What does he do? After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. This was just, the rhythm of his life. Again, Luke chapter 5, verse 16. It says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew, not just when he was desperate, not just once home, he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He had this rhythm of prayer. And I think he is modeling for us uh, what our life should look like as well through this. Okay, and so let's talk for a moment about what. Uh, these times of prayer looked like for Jesus, because it's one thing to say, "Okay, prayer," but like, wh- like, okay, what, like, how do we live into that? Okay, so I want to highlight just three things that we see in this passage, and we'll kind of, I'll, I'll just kind of give you the three points, and we'll walk through it together. But first, we see that Jesus intentionally set aside time. Second, for extended prayer. Third, free from distractions. So the first thing is that that Jesus, I'll just say that again, he intentionally set aside time for extended prayer. Free from distraction. So let's just kind of walk through these. Again, Mark one thirty-five it says, "Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed." So, so first thing to note is that Jesus was intentional in this. This wasn't just kind of like a passing shout out to the Father as he was just kind of busy and distracted and going about his day. That he actually was very intentional in setting setting aside time uh, to pray. This was intentional. And if you and I want to develop a, a prayer life, that actually we need to be intentional as, as well. And, and I often like kind of like, um, I don't know, kind of like exercise, kind of parallels, because I think they work. And so, so think of like, you know, have you ever just started magically going to the gym on a regular basis? Did that ever just like, you just woke up one day, well, what am I doing here? I'm already on the treadmill, what's good? No, you, that only happens if you have an intention, you actually form an intention. I'm going to do this. And so for myself, I have to like put that into my calendar or I will never go. For me, it's very, very similar with prayer. I mean, yeah, I pray as I drive and, you know, walk around, but in terms of like this, really, this kind of focused prayer, if I don't really kind of schedule that in, it's just not going to happen. Uh, one author puts it like this. He says, it is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization of our own lives, but there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. Amen? So the first thing we see is that Jesus, he intentionally set aside time. for it. He didn't just wait until he got the time. He was actually intentional in finding the time, okay? But the second thing we see is that he actually took Extended time for prayer, and I don't know if you ever struggled with this as a kid or if you do uh, this day, but have you ever been in one of those situations where uh, you know you're like you're at a meal and you sit down and you want to pray to bless the food, but you're like so hungry. And so, like you pray like this really quick prayer as fast as you can, and it's just just a rush. And, like you're like trying to get it out of the way. And sometimes my girls do that. I'll tell on them, but yeah. <laughs> but it's so cute. But, but but that's really kind of the opposite of what we see uh, in in this passage. That Jesus wasn't just kind of like getting this out of the way. This wasn't as though he was like just taking medicine or like I don't know fulfilling a duty. That this was actually a time he was taking to enjoy his father's presence. To be with him, to to know him, to commune with him, to be filled with his life. And one way of seeing this is to observe that that the that the that the verb here for for prayer it's actually if you're into this kind of thing it's in the imperfect tense, which suggests that this is a prolonged period of prayer, and and, and actually the context makes this even more clear, because by the time um, from the time that Jesus went out to pray to the time when the disciples woke up and, and realized he wasn't there and then went on a search and finally found him, what that suggests is that this is at least a couple hours that have transpired here, probably more, but that he's really taking extended time for prayer. So not only did Jesus have a rhythm of prayer, but we also see that he took some extended times for prayer. Uh, I, I came across a fascinating interview with Dallas Willer. This is from some years back. And he makes this observation He says one of the reasons that that quiet times or prayer times or devotional times, whatever you want to call that, one of the reasons that doesn't work for many people uh, is because quote, being in Jesus' presence takes time. Think about that. And he goes on to suggest, quote, six 10-minute quiet times are not as effective as one 60-minute time with God. If you want to shower, he says, one drop every five minutes for two years is not enough. <laughs> now, I think that's a really fascinating thought. I think so often we don't even think about that. Um, but sometimes we actually need this extended time in God's presence to really just be washed with his love and his mercy and his life and his grace. We actually need that. And, and actually, uh, beginning to practice this has actually just totally changed my life. Totally changed my life. And so, have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried, and I don't know, everyone's, you know, in their own place in their own, uh, in this journey, but, you know, have you ever tried spending like like half an hour in prayer? Have you ever tried spending an hour? Have you ever tried spending two hours? I want to suggest that that can actually change your life. It can actually change your life. And I don't think it's about a specific amount of time, and I think we all need to discern what God's calling us to uh, individually. But the point is that we do need, uh, at, at some interval, some extended times, in prayer with God. And for me, I don't know, I kind of think of, I don't know, uh, when you you know prepare a steak, you first need to let the meat thaw and that takes time. Well, I found that the same thing is true with my heart that it takes time for my heart to kind of like thaw out in God's presence. So I'm actually receptive to, to his presence, to what he wants to say, to what he wants to do. And, and so that, that's been my experience. Uh, so the point is, is that not only do we need some regularity in, in our prayer, but also we need some times at least where, where there's some extended prayer. Okay, And I'll share just a story before moving on. So I have kind of a weird life. So you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a pastor, uh, but I'm a bivocational pastor. So I'm, I'm full-time as a pastor and I have another job. And so what that means is that I am a busy, dude. And the past few weeks have been uh, especially intense in terms of workload. And so, you know, I got to the end of this past week, I'm thinking, whew, I am spent. But one of the things I've learned to do is to listen to my soul. Now in the gym, I've learned to listen to my body because I'm getting older. And so if I'm like feeling pain, I'm like, oh, that means don't just work out harder. That actually means I might need to watch that so I don't hurt myself again. Okay. And so, but I've learned to listen to my soul and, and I just felt, I just knew I need extended time in God's presence. I need extended time in prayer. And so uh, on Friday, I just, I set aside some extended time and I can't tell you the difference that made for my life. I was feeling so tired. I was feeling just drained. And then after spending extended time for, I just felt so much life. I felt so refreshed. I can't even tell you. I did that again yesterday. And I just can't tell you the difference that made. I think there were times when like Willard said, like we need the shower in God's presence, not just a little pop off and hey, I got, okay, good to see you, You know, uh, you know, on to the next thing but actually some time we just bathe ourselves in his presence through prayer, okay? So, so we see that Jesus, he was intentional in setting aside time, but also he took some extended time. And then the third thing we see here uh, is, that, um, is that Jesus, he actually was intentional in actually finding a place that was free of distractions, And I think this is important, and I, and I, and I suspect that perhaps some of us, the reason why we struggle with prayer is that we've been trying to pray in a place that is not conducive to it. Now, sometimes that's unavoidable. If you've got young kids, well, you just do the best you can. And I totally get that. I totally get that. But we see, uh, it's so interesting that Jesus, he, he was very intentional. He tried to find a place that would be free from distraction so he could focus, uh, on the Father. Now, um, Eventually they found him, and they they seem like a little myth. Like, hey Jesus, like where 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 have you been? Like we've been calling, we've been texting. You didn't even take your cell phone with you. He left it at the house, and he's like, exactly. That was the whole point. I do not want to be distracted. I'm trying to be with the Father. Um, and by the way, that's why I I, there's these little actually little like life hacks like you actually need to learn like like turning your phone on silent, like muting your computer if it's on so you don't like hear the email bing. You know, Uh, they're like actually little things like little micro hacks that can actually help you immensely. Ansley shared one last week. If you weren't here, listen online, something that really helped change her life and her relationship with God. But um, they're like little kind of life hacks, if you will, that can really help us. So, so, But what we see here is that Jesus, he not only, again, not only did he, was he intentional in, set, in setting aside time for prayer, not only was it an extended time, but also we see here that, that he was intentional in finding a place that was actually conducive To prayer. And I I just want to say something just while I'm thinking about it that, that, that as you engage in prayer, like just enjoy it. Like this isn't medicine you have to take. Like, like enjoy it. Like, so if that means for you, like getting a cup of coffee, finding a comfy chair, like do that. Like enjoy your time in God's presence. That, that's, that's the heartbeat behind this. Okay. So just one more point I want to draw from this passage before closing with something, uh, really practical. And I just want to uh, point this out. This is just so amazing. So in this story we see here, and especially if you read this in context, that, that the busier Jesus got this is so like counterintuitive for so many of us, myself, I will say, that the busier he got, the more he prayed. The busier he got, the more he prayed. His ministry started start with a bang. And again, we see, like they're saying, everyone's looking for you. Like people are just flocking. They're coming to him, you know, for, for really significant things, for healing, for deliverance. Or they want to hear the good news, all these things. And yet, what does he say? Oh, I, need, I really need to pray. Isn't that amazing? Here's what I find the temptation can be. Is that when life gets busy, especially when there's like important stuff in front of you, I think the temptation can be What? To let prayer just kind of slide, right? It's like, whoa, but I'm so busy and, and this is important. And, and so we can fall prey to what some call the tyranny of the urgent. We have all these things coming at us and they feel urgent. I get this email. Oh, we need you to fill out this form. Oh, I get this email. Oh, you got a bill. Too. Or someone calls, hey, can you help me with this? Or I get this text or whatever it is. And like all these things, they come at us and they can feel urgent. But then sometimes then we just keep pushing prayer further and further and further down the list until all of a sudden it's been like, wait, how long has it been since I really prayed? Like how long? Like, right? <laughs> and so really what we see here in Jesus' life is that actually the busier he got, The more he prayed, because he knew that this was his source, that this was his lifeline to the Father. It was actually through prayer. He knew that this is what he needed more than anything else. More than anything else. And so let me just apply this to us. Think about this. If Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, if he felt like he needed amidst all this, you know, busyness, and he had all this, I mean, think about this, tremendous opportunity, this, this over the top, just, uh, you know, popularity and productivity and all this stuff that was going on. If he thought, in the midst of all that, what he needed was prayer, how much more so do you and I need prayer? If he thought that he needed this this lifestyle of prayer, how much more so do we, as just you know, fallen, frail human beings, how much more so do we need prayer, lifestyles of prayer? So important, so important. Now, I've already sprinkled in some some practical application, but let me just. Uh, just to share a couple more things just before we close and, and but but here 's really the question and it 's how can we really live into this? How can we cultivate a lifestyle of prayer like Jesus in the midst of you know, you know kind of our urban technological world with with traffic and and texts and 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 cell phones and all these things how, how can we do that? Well, uh, earlier, we talked about the importance of intention that that is essential. But there's more that we need as well. and let me throw another Willard quote in. He says, "The general failing the, excuse me, the general human failing, is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy." This, he says, is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Whoa mic drop willard right (laughs) so so significant so often we want oh yeah we see this life in Jesus oh I want that oh I want a life of prayer but we don't actually commit to the lifestyle that will actually get us there right And, and so that that that's the point that we need some sort of plan and 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 so let me just let me just ask you do you have a time and a place to meet with God through prayer. Do you have a time and a place? Have you ever really thought through that? Um, and if not, what's, what's the next step for you in that? And as we start a new season together as, as a church family, oh, my prayer is that we would all uh, really, if we haven't already, begin to cultivate a rhythm, a lifestyle of prayer, because this is where life is found. It's in the presence of God. And so what, what's the next step? That's, that, that's the question. Band, I'll just invite you guys to come back up Now, just one last question before we close. Um, I don't know where everyone is. I know some of us have maybe, you've been following Jesus a long time. You know how to pray. But some of us might be newer to the faith. And so I want to share briefly a prayer model that really changed my life when I was a college student because I, I remember when I started following Jesus as a college student that I'm like, okay, I know I'm supposed to spend time with God. I'm supposed to pray, but I really have no idea what to do. And, and so basically prayer, what this is, it's, it's talking to God. And you can talk to him just, just as you would a friend. And so Jesus, when he prayed to the Father, he actually used the word uh, Abba, which is a, a very intimate, familiar term, which is basically the equivalent of, of, of the word Daddy. There's, this, there's just this intimate language. And, and, and so this means that we can just come to him, we can talk to him, just as he, he is. He's our Father. He's our Father, our Abba Father, who loves us so much. And so we can come to him, we can just talk to him. And, and um, the passage we looked at, it doesn't describe the content of Jesus' prayer, but later on in his ministry, Jesus' disciples, they just saw the, just the life flowing out of Jesus, and they saw that prayer was so central to that, so it's fascinating, they asked him, they didn't say, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, teach us how to heal the sick. They didn't say, teach us how to drive out demons, although they learned all those things along the way. But what they were most concerned about, they said, teach us how to pray. And so when he answered that question, he gave them what, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And we pray that every week because it's so powerful. But I want just want to share with you a prayer model that's sort of based on that. And sometimes I'd love to do a, just a whole sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. But for today, let me just give you a basic prayer model. I want everyone to have some tracks to run on today. And so it's called the ACTS Prayer Model, A-C-T-S. That's an acronym. It stands for A-Adoration C, confession. T, thanksgiving. And S, supplication. Let me just say what this means and we'll close. So A, adoration. This is, this is praise. This is giving glory to God. This is enjoying His presence. This is worship. So sometimes I will just spontaneously just express my adoration to God say, God, you are amazing, I love you, and just whatever comes up, I will just adore him sometimes I will put on worship music on my little like my computer or my phone, and, and i 'll just i 'll just worship with those with those songs, so this can look different ways so adoration that 's the first thing second is is confession that 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 uh, we um that that we need to you know clear the air in a relationship with God so I would like to uh, use this illustration so like let 's say um uh, you know, if, if my wife and I, we were gonna be going out to like a nice dinner and, and trying to enjoy that time together. But if, I, if I'd done something stupid and kind of hurt her earlier in the week and we never talked about that, and I never owned my part in that and said, you know, I am so sorry. Like that would put like kind of a barrier and that would get in the way the intimacy of that time and so confession is, is so key to just clear the air in a relationship with God. And, and so, so adoration, confession, just asking for his forgiveness, receiving his mercy afresh and then Thanksgiving tea. So, so what are you thankful for? Just, just share that with God. It can be very, very simple. It could be just one sentence, thanksgivings. And then finally, S is supplication. And what this means is asking God for what we need. Jesus taught us to pray that he would give us, that the Father would give us our daily bread. And so this is just asking for ourselves, for our loved ones, for our community, uh, for our world, asking uh, for God's provision, God's blessing, God's healing, uh, God's direction in our lives, okay? Okay. Just a basic prayer model, but again, it's just helpful tracks to run on. So A C T S. So I hope that's helpful to you. Um, but just as we land this plane, what we've seen is is that that life it's not found in 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 the right shoes or the right you know having enough money or or stuff or fame or Instagram followers. It's found. In, in the presence of God and crucially how we really enter into that place is through prayer. And we saw that Jesus, he lived a lifestyle of, of prayer and, and that he's a model for us in this as well. If we want to know the life of Jesus, we really need to take on the lifestyle of Jesus. Let's pray. So Jesus, we just, we just recognize that you are the way and the truth and the life. And Lord, I just pray for a fresh infusion of, of your life in our lives today. Lord, would you teach us your ways that we may know you. And Lord, I pray for all of us, uh, just for fresh grace in this, in this season. I know the this time of year, it gets really busy, school starting and job stuff and transitions. God, I just pray for just fresh grace to solidify rhythms of prayer in our lives, in our hearts, that we may be so connected to you and so filled with your life and that your life might flow through us to the world around us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just take a moment in prayer just to reflect, God, what's, what's that next step for me in prayer? We'll take a moment and we'll continue in worship.